Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. For the first time since before Hannah Five Names was born, the Dallas Cowboys, them boys, actually won a road playoff game. That's right. Dallas is moving on to the divisional round of the NFL playoffs after last night's 31-14 victory over poor Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Bucks. How about them Cowboys? Dak Prescott had a good game. They actually played well. Everyone played well for the Cowboys, except for one guy. And we'll get to the kicker. Oh, man. That's rough. Good morning. Welcome to RP3 and Company. I'm your host, the big, bald, and beautiful one, Raymond Parch III. I'm joined inside the game studios by... The producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah, five names. We got a good show lined up for you today. Three guests on tap Bob Marlin, Louisiana Raging Cajuns men's basketball coach, Jim Gazzolo, host of the McNeese Coaches Show, and Lake Charles American Press Cowboys beat writer, and Ali Cassell, editor in chief of the Bird Rights. So we're going to tackle McNeese. We're going to tackle UL. We'll talk a little LSU as well. New Orleans Pelicans on today's show and NFL Divisional Round of the Playoffs. Of course, we want to hear from you. Phone lines are open, 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. But we're going to lead off today's show talking about the Dallas Cowboys. They came out strong. I said on yesterday's show, I felt that Dallas was going to win. The whole narrative was against Dallas, that they didn't look good down the stretch, and hadn't run a playoff game on the road since 1993. Tom Brady has never lost to Dallas. The Cowboys are going to do Cowboy things. But I just had a feeling like this was going to be different. This Tampa team... And the NFC South in general was trash this year. Just was. They had a losing record, still won the division. Didn't look good doing it. There wasn't one time, there wasn't a stretch throughout the entire season that you thought, oh, Tampa looks legit. It just wasn't there. Just wasn't there. Vulnerable, weak team, no running game. Offensive line banged up, had one guy retire, had another guy lost for the season, had another guy get banged up. Chris Godwin got hurt. Julio Jones was never a factor because he was hurt. It just never came together this year, not to mention all of Tom's issues, if you will, off the field that 
proved to be a distraction for this team. In last night's game, Dallas was clearly the better team. And nine times out of ten in the National Football League, the team with more talent is going to win the game. And Dallas has more talent. They have Micah Parsons, who may be the best defensive player in the league. Dak Prescott is a good but not great quarterback, even though he put on a show last night. Dallas is the better team, and the better team won last night. The surprising thing is that because Dallas always gets in its own way. They've been the more talented team multiple times over the years since 1993. They've had a slew of talent, pro bowl, all pro talent on their roster. Never been able to kind of figure it out. They always get in their own way. That didn't happen last night. After starting off 0 for 3 in the game, Dak put on a show 25 of 33 for 305 yards, four touchdowns, no picks, only sacked once. Dallas's offensive line did a really nice job. Dallas was also able to run the football for more than 120 yards. Dak also had himself a rushing score. So a five-touchdown performance for the Louisiana native, Dak Prescott. And he did a nice job spreading the ball around. It just wasn't to C.D. Lamb who had a touchdown catch. It was Dalton Schultz who led the team in receptions, receiving yards, and receiving touchdowns. Michael Gallup had himself a receiving touchdown. It was a well-coached, well-executed game plan by Dallas. And we don't often say that about the Cowboys. We just don't. Tampa, meanwhile, it was the struggle bus. Brady threw the ball 66 times. 45-year-old quarterback threw it more times than his actual age. That's not a recipe for success. Now, Tom set the record or reset the record this year for most completions and most pass attempts, breaking his own record in both categories. But you got the man out there throwing 66 times. Now, I know a lot of that was because they were trying to come from behind and essentially had abandoned the running game, which only netted them 52 yards anyway. But the weird thing about that is they were averaging 4.3 yards a pop. They only ran the ball 12 times. They just went away from it. And instead had Tom throw it 66 times. 351 yards. Yeah, if you throw it 66 times, you probably are going to throw for 351 yards. Two touchdowns, an interception. He was sacked twice, pressured more often. Julio Jones got himself a touchdown late and more than likely could be his last game as a pro, period. Cameron Brate as well. But they got after Tom. And the Bucks looked exactly like he thought they would. They looked like a team under 500 that backed into the playoffs. And the Cowboys did really nice. They did a very, very nice job. 
except for one thing. Except for one thing. And that was kicking. Brett Maher, who is a very good kicker, got the yips, had the meltdown on national television. The man went one for five for extra point attempts. He missed four extra point attempts. Four. Four. Courtesy of Vinny Iyer, our friend from the Sporting News, Brett Meyer is the only kicker in NFL history with three field goals of 60 yards or more. By the way, the only one in NFL history that has made three field goals of 60 yards or more. He's now also the only playoff kicker in NFL history with three missed PATs, and then he added a fourth. Unbelievable. He was 50 of 53 on extra points this regular season. 50 of 53. And he went, started the game 0 for 4 with the missed extra points last night. What? It was absolutely bonkers to watch that happen. And you just saw his teammates' reaction on the sideline. They just cringed. Or Dak even got a little frustrated and angry. And they're yelling, let's just go for two. A reliable, consistent kicker had a meltdown in a game. Thankfully for Dallas, it didn't matter. And instead of going for two, they Mike McCarthy just kept throwing him out there to eventually make one, and he did make an extra point, and there was a sigh of relief there. Because you're not going to be able to bring in a kicker the week of a playoff game. Maybe, maybe you can find a guy off the street that's ready to go to come in and kick pressure kicks on the road because they're traveling to Santa Clara to take on the San Francisco 49ers. But I just, it is bonkers to me that this team has a kicker that was that poor in a playoff game. I mean, this is a guy who's usually automatic with extra points. This is a guy who can boot long field goals. The Manning cast on television last night had Dan Campbell on, the Detroit Lions' second-year head coach. He's done a remarkable job with in Detroit. And he actually recommended after he missed his fourth one, maybe he just needs to kick a long field goal to get right. Once again... Kickers, they get the yips. It's pretty much a done deal, right? Once you get in your head, you're not going to get out of it. Because you miss one, you're like, okay. Then you go back out there. Then you miss two. Now you're thinking about the fact that you're 0 for 2. And then it just steamrolls on kickers. And kickers are a weird bunch as it is. They are. They're different. But he finally made that final extra point. (laughs) But that was it. It wasn't the prettiest game. If you're a Cowboys fan, you were happy. Tampa looks... Oh, man. What what are the Bucs going to do? Tom is more than likely not returning to Tampa next year. 
what are they going to do at quarterback? They've forgotten how to run the football. Their offensive line's banged up. Their wide receiving core, you still got Godwin and Mike Evans. Well, Russell Gage suffered a terrible injury in this game, had to be carted off the field during the game. Julio Jones is more than likely going to retire. And they got a lot of their key play players that are yeah, older. So be interested to see what Tampa does this offseason. How they adjust if they try to do a rebuild or if they try to reload. Do they Are they aggressive after getting a free agent quarterback or do they simply draft one? And does Tom Brady retire? That's actually our poll question of the day. Is about old Tommy. Was last night Tom Brady's final game? Yes, no, maybe. That's our poll question of the day. If you listen to the press conference afterwards, before he ended his press conference, he actually thanked the media and spent like a minute and a half talking about it was a privilege to be in this league and everything like that. Sure did sound like a goodbye. Now, could it just be a goodbye to the Tampa press corps? Maybe. Could it be a goodbye that this guy came out of retirement to come back to have a losing season and get bounced in the first round of the playoffs by the Dallas Cowboys? And now he may... He may be like, eh, I'm, I'm done. Or does Tom take some time off and say, you know what? I could go play for my former offensive coordinator in New England, who's the head football coach in Las Vegas, and go play for the Raiders. He's going to have some options. Does Indianapolis try to go after another veteran quarterback at the end of his career? It hasn't really worked out last two or three times they've tried that. But what will Tom Brady do? Was last night Tom Brady's final game? Yes, no, maybe. Right now, 38% of you say yes. 38% say no. 24% say maybe. A flurry of votes already. JPK, the OD, says congrats to Dak. You now have half of many playoff wins as Mark, Mark Sanchez did in his career with the New York Jets. Good luck next week against the 49ers. I will not be worried at all about getting shown up by Mr. Irrelevant. P.S., Sure, you can count on your kicker in a tight spot. The hatred for the Cowboys runs deep for many. I despise Dallas. There are my team's arch rival, nemesis. I wish nothing but the worst for them. So I get it. I get it. But y'all are savage. Don... Brady will be back next season. Indy and Raiders have a history of taking in washed quarterbacks. <laughs> that they do. John Paul, the Cajun Daddy, says, Tom Brady's number one priority was always one thing, to have more records than Drew Brees. The only reason he played this year was to take the touchdown on total yards records, and he did. Now he has more records than Brees. He wanted, into mind his, uh, to, wanted to secure his legacy. There's a little bit of truth to that. There is. He wanted to rewrite the record books. He wants to hold all the records, more so than Peyton, more so than Drew. He wants to go out on top as the guy with the most Super Bowls, the most records, everything. Tom is driven by his ego. Make no bones about it. He may be a great player, 
and he may be a great leader and all these other superlatives that you can, you know, add to him. But the guy's got an ego. He's driven by his ego, always has been. Don simply just shared a gif of from Futurama. Oh, wait. You're serious. Let me laugh. <laughs> Martin says, I hope so because I'm tired of Brady talk and take Maurer with him and just putting it out there. We're putting the Brock Purdy talk to rest Sunday as well. Let's see how them 49ers do against a good defense. We want revenge from last year. Martin is on cloud nine. The vice Chancellor of Erath loves his Cowboys. And now that they beat 45-year-old Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Bucks, my man's like, let's go. Let's go. We're going to Glendale, Arizona. Going to the Super Bowl. Man is ready. JPK, the OD, has an actual comment about the poll question. And just not Cowboy slander. <laughs> he says he's done. He's going to spend his next year as an alimony-paying, overpaid, wooden Indian stiff one year before he's fired, failure of an NFL commentator, making <laughs> macking on all the 25-year-old production assistants at the four-letter network. The man's got a massive contract, more than $100 million, to when he retires to be on television. The guy is locked up, secured. Now, even with that money, he's not going to make, he's not worth as much as his now ex-wife. But he's secured. He's got things locked up. Tom doesn't need to play anymore. But that's not what's driven Tom Brady. Not the fact that he's considered to be the greatest quarterback of all time. Not to be considered that he's one of the greatest players of all time. He has the most Super Bowls of anyone. Most Super Bowl appearances than anyone. All the record. No, no. Tom is just driven because he's Tom. Keep voting on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Just make sure you keep it clean for the kids. We got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, we're going to look now at the divisional round playoff picture. Second round is now finalized. We're going to do a dive in on that coming up next right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on, Martin, to the show. Martin, what you got, bud? What could you possibly want to talk about on this Tuesday morning? Mm, how about them Cowboys, huh? You were sweating it, though. Yeah, see, what, what I love about you, Martin, is that you were sweating it. You thought your team was going to lose. You thought that your Cowboys were going to be embarrassed. You were mad about uh, Dak, and then sure enough, they go out there and they prove you wrong, bud. But you're you're happy to be proven wrong this morning, right? Oh, I am really happy enough. Now, one reason I, I think one of the biggest reasons why we pulled out the W last night is, and I've been saying this for the last few times we made the playoffs, we didn't shoot ourselves in the foot with stupid penalties. We played a clean game. What we had one penalty, I think. 
throughout the whole game. That's what we got to do against San Fran if we're going to win. Let them commit the, the penalty. Keep the game in front of us. You know, this is going to be the, like I keep saying, this is going to be the best defense that the cheaters have seen probably all season long. You know, and now that we got that proverbial monkey off our back of not winning a road playoff game since 1992 or 93, you know, now we can just go out there and play football. And uh, good luck to the nine. I hate to say this, but Elijah Mitchell, I think his season comes to an end after next weekend. But thank God we got that one game out the way, and we shall see Sunday what Sunday brings. There you go, bud. How about this? And, and by the way, check on Mr. Green because uh, I was kind of in contact with him the whole game last night. But if he's listening, which I know he is, I guess he's still got the Tampa Bay Lightning to root for. Have a good one, buddy. There you go, bud. Martin's happy. And Jamie was already anticipating a loss. <laughs> so, so both fan bases were bracing for taking the L on Monday Night Football in the wild card round. Dallas does win in advance, and as Martin said, they're going to be playing San Francisco in the divisional round. And let's take a moment to look at the divisional matchups. We'll start in the AFC. First game of the day, first game of the weekend will be Saturday, 3.30. Jacksonville at Kansas City. Kansas City is the one seed. They received the bye. Jacksonville, of course, rallied from that 27-point deficit and overcame Trevor Lawrence's four first-half interceptions for him to throw four second-half or throw four touchdowns to lead them on a walk-off field goal win in the wildcard round against the Los Angeles Chargers. Now, these two teams did face off in the regular season. Mahomes lit up the Jags for four passing touchdowns in 331 with only one pick. Chiefs jumped out to an early 20-0 lead in the second quarter. But Jacksonville, like they've done a lot this season, they fought back. They climbed back into the games, but the closest they could cut it was down to 10 points. Now, the Jags are a much-improved team since that last meeting. That said, the Chiefs still have Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, and Travis Kelsey. I, I, who does Jacksonville have that's going to stop Travis Kelsey? No one can stop Travis Kelsey. So who's going to do it? And that's Mahomes' security blanket. So even if Jacksonville does kind of get him rattled a little bit, Travis Kelsey is always open. Always. Even when he has someone on him, the guy is always open. Just does. This is going to be rest versus kind of rust situation here. Kansas City had the bye. Will they be fresh and sharp and ready to go? Because they're going to be taking on a Jacksonville team that's riding an emotional high from not only getting into the playoffs by winning their regular season finale against the Tennessee Titans, which clinched the division for them. Then they come from behind, down 27 points to beat the Chargers to win their playoff game. So this is a team that's going to feel immensely confident. They have nothing to lose. They're on the road. Intriguing matchup, but I do like Kansas City in this one as it stands on Tuesday morning. The other AFC divisional game, that's the one that's the blockbuster. Bengals, Bills. All the storylines here between these two teams. They played a few weeks ago. A player gets injured, has cardiac arrest, and neither team has really looked all that good since then. 
Cincinnati didn't look great in its regular season finale against Baltimore. They definitely didn't look great in their playoff win against Baltimore. Buffalo, if you take away the kick return touchdowns in its regular season finale, they don't win that game. And they didn't look good against Miami. Both teams have looked off since their game on Monday Night Football was canceled due to a horrific scene at the stadium. They're both immensely talented. Bengals went to the Super Bowl a year ago. Buffalo's a preseason favorite to go to the Super Bowl. They have great young quarterbacks, great wide receivers. Two of the five best wide receivers in the game right now are going to be in this game. One for Cincy, one for Buffalo. They have great players on defense. But they have not looked right since that game was canceled. They've looked sloppy. They've looked timid at times. They haven't executed well. And they've played down to their competition. Something's going to have to give on Sunday when the Bengals go to Orchard Park to take on the Bills. I slightly like Buffalo here because they're at home. If this game was at Cincinnati, I think it's a coin flip. I really do. They're so equal. They're so balanced. It's hard to pick between these two. And I'm not ready to make my prediction yet. I lean towards Buffalo because the game is in Buffalo. But there's going to be a lot of emotion. And which team is going to be able to put their emotion aside and be disciplined and focus? Because they both have looked off since week 17. Regular season finale, didn't look sharp, didn't look right. Playoff wins, when both of those teams faced division rivals with backup quarterbacks, in one case, Buffalo faced the third-string quarterback for Miami. They played down to their competition. They've looked sloppy. They look like they don't have focus. Can they turn it around? Whoever's the least sloppy on Sunday is going to win that game. That's what it boils down to. Whoever's the least sloppy is going to win that game. And does DeMar come to the game and bring the emotion? I'm conflicted there. Because that emotion can be a distraction. Oh, DeMar's here. We got to win it for DeMar. That can be, even though it's a motivating factor, it can also be a distraction. It can be. Buffalo, even more so than Cincinnati, has to get their minds right. They have the talent. This team, this year's expectation is a Super Bowl. But if they get too high and are too emotional because DeMar is there, because they want to honor their teammate who died on the field and was brought back to life, I get it. It's a tough situation for them to deal with, to process. But if they want to win on Sunday, they're going to have to because Joe Burrow, guy's got ice water in his veins. And he's going to want to win. Trust me on that. In the NFC, it's a divisional game amongst division rivals. Giants at Eagles. Giants go on the road, beat Minnesota. Kirk Cousins throwing three-yard passes when it's fourth and eight. Always a recipe for success. Eagles, you're one seed. Jalen Hurts was an MVP candidate before he got hurt. He's back. 
Eagles are going to be at home. The link is a tough place to play and win. Eagles swept the two games this season. The first game was a lopsided affair. It wasn't even close. It just wasn't. They rolled up on them. Philly and their offense, which can be dynamic, beat the Giants 48-22. Now, in the regular season finale, when the Giants rested guys and the Eagles weren't fully healthy, Eagles were able to eke out a 22-16 win. And that's intriguing. Now, the Giants, Daniel Jones, great playoff performance against Minnesota. It's a divisional rival. This is going to be a physical game. This is going to be a closer-than-anticipated game between the G-Men and the Eagles. And then your other divisional game this coming weekend, Cowboys, as we mentioned, at 49ers. Revenge game, Cowboys get their first playoff road win since 1993, and now they get a shot at redemption. They exited the 2021 playoffs in a wild-card round loss to the 49ers. If you remember, Dak Prescott picked up only 17 yards on a design run and slid to the 49ers' 24-yard line with eight seconds to go. But time ran out before the Cowboys could get one final playoff. San Francisco wins 23-17. to Brock Purdy, the other shoe hasn't dropped. Martin's right. This is going to be a nasty defense he's going to face. Micah Parsons is an absolute dog. But San Francisco is built for these kind of things. The way they've been constructed, their roster, they run the football, Christian McCaffrey, Elijah Mitchell. They have Debo Samuel, who's a dynamic playmaker at wide receiver. They have a really good tight end at George Kittles. Oh, and they play salty defense too. Dallas has confidence. That's the biggest thing for them is to be able to go on the road like they did and beat Tom Brady and beat the brakes off of Brady and the Bucks like they did last night will give Dallas a sense of confidence a sense of bravado and they'll need that going into Santa Clara to take on the 49ers and will they make Brock Purdy's day difficult sure will I don't expect him to put up a 350 yard three touchdown performance no But they got other guys. Brock's been able to succeed because of a slew of other people. That's going to be a physical game as well. And do the Cowboys have anybody that can deal with Nick Bosa or Fred Warren or Dre Greenlaw? I don't think so. Advantage 49ers there. Divisional playoffs are set. Can't wait for it this weekend. Don't forget to vote on our poll question of the day. Was last night's game the final one for Tom Brady? Yes, no, or maybe. Go vote and leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter, and we'll share them throughout today's show. Right now, we got to take a timeout when we return. Sean Payton, the former New Orleans Saints head football coach, huh, was on Colin Cowherd's show yesterday talking about interviews he had set up and then went ahead and knocked one of them out. We'll share that with you next right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. You know the routine. Eat, drink, sleep, and sports. 
all day, every day. You're listening to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Is Sean Payton headed to Houston? We know that the New Orleans Saints granted permission to the Denver Broncos, the Houston Texans, and the Arizona Cardinals to interview Sean for their vacant head coaching jobs. I still feel like Denver is the leader in the clubhouse. Arizona's hired a new general manager who was previously with the Patriots organization. There's talk that he's going to go interview at Carolina this week. The Panthers do seem to make some sense. But I just think Denver makes the most sense to me personally because the defense is absolutely salty, ready to go. You have a couple of really good number two wide receivers. Neither one of the guys for Denver is a legit number one NFL wide receiver. But they got two really good number twos. Offensive line maybe needs some tweaking, but they have some pieces there. And Sean would love nothing more because of his ego to fix Russell Wilson and prove everyone wrong. Now, I also point out that the back half of the season prior, his last season in Seattle, Russell was not good either. So we've seen bad Russell Wilson for a year and a half with two different teams. Can he be fixed or is he getting closer to being washed than still be a Pro Bowl-level quarterback. But I still think Denver is right there. But Houston is intriguing because the Texans have so much draft capital. He would be able to put his stamp on things. He would be able to draft a quarterback if he wanted to. They have the draft pick compensation to send back to New Orleans. And it makes a lot of sense and he's already knocked out the interview. Payton said he absolutely would consider coaching the Houston Texans in 2023, and on Monday, he took a potential step towards that. The Texans, who finished 13, or finished, sorry, 313 and 1, and fired former coach Lovey Smith, their second one and done coach in a row, completed an interview Monday night with Sean. Earlier in the day, Payton said on the herd with Callan Cowherd that he was to meet. This week with Houston, the Denver Broncos, and the Carolina Panthers. Sources told Adam Schefter that the Broncos interview will take place Tuesday in Los Angeles, where Sean lives, and the Panthers meeting is set for this coming Friday. The Arizona Cardinals have also requested permission from the Saints to meet with the 59-year-old coach who won the Super Bowl with New Orleans at the end of the 2009 season. Of course, any team that hires Payton would have to compensate New Orleans which has the rights to the coach through the end of the 2024 season. After he stepped away from the job following the 2021 season with three years left on a five-year contract. Houston has the second overall pick. Arizona has the third. Carolina has the ninth. And Denver currently has the 29th via trade with San Francisco, which is still in the playoffs. Asked specifically if he would consider Houston, which has gone a combined 11-38-1 the past three seasons and doesn't have a franchise quarterback, 
Payton didn't hesitate to say yes. He noted his knowledge of the organization and key individuals, such as general manager Nick Cesario, after practicing against the Texans multiple times during his time in New Orleans. So there's a bit of a relationship there. And once again, you can build that from scratch. Also intriguing, we've heard the rumor that Sean wants to pair up with former assistant coach and good friend Vic Vangio if they go someplace. Well, the Panthers have already interviewed former Broncos coach Vic Vangio for their defensive coordinator position and requested an interview with New Orleans defensive backs coach Chris Richard for the same job. So there could be a reunion in Charlotte if Chris Richard gets the defensive coordinator job or Vic Vangio gets the defensive coordinator job. Sean Payton has a good rapport with both as they work together in New Orleans. That makes Carolina a strong candidate. I think it's Denver. I think it's Houston. I think it's Carolina. I think those are your three. I don't think Arizona's really all that in the mix. I think D'Amico Ryans is being groomed for that job. The former star linebacker for the Texans. He's going to get one of those jobs as well. And now with Jim Harbaugh pulling his name out, we find out from the Michigan president that they have spoken and that Jim Harbaugh is going back to Michigan. He has a couple of star players coming back for another year as well. Makes sense. Run it back with the Wolverines and see if you can get over the hump and get a national title. So that's one less guy in the mix. But Sean can end up Denver, Houston, or Carolina. But it sure does seem like Sean Payton is going to be coaching on the sidelines this coming fall in the NFL. Let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on Doug to the show. Doug, good morning to you, brother. I got a couple of minutes, my friend, but they're yours. What's on your mind? Well, Ray, I would hate to see uh, Sean Payton uh, going to Carolina. You know, I would rather see him in the AFC, not in the uh, NFC, especially the South. Now, Tom Brady, Ray, what if um, the Raiders would take Brady on a one-year deal? They're in need of somebody. You know, I don't see him going to Chargers or anywhere on the West Coast, but the Raiders, uh, it makes sense to me. Uh, Ray. What you got, the, uh, the Buffalo Bengals game is one thing that, that people need to keep an eye on. That lately, Josh Allen, I don't know what it is, but he's been playing loose with the football. He's throwing interceptions. That's been all season long, Doug. He's Brett Favre. Uh, That's who he is. He he is. He's Favre. If you watch him when he's running with the ball, he likes to palm the football and he's holding it out from his body. Yeah, he does. The Bengals are going to go for him, Ray. And he likes to run. He's not scared to run. Uh, Now, when he last played, I mean, the Bengals were were ahead 7-3 when the game was called. And it sure looked like Joe Burrow was uh, just getting warmed up. Uh, I, I hope I'm pulling for the Bengals to take this game, Ray, and for another rematch between the Bengals and Kansas City uh, for the AFC. That's what I'm looking for, Ray. Appreciate the phone Thanks call, for Doug. Thanks my call, buddy. Anytime, bud. Enjoy your day. And, and look, as for Tom Brady, I, I think Las Vegas could be an interesting destination 
Are they close to being a title team? No, but Josh McDaniels is the coach there, the longtime former offensive coordinator for the New England Patriots. If Tom Brady doesn't go to Las Vegas, I fully expect the Raiders to be all in on Jimmy G. Both of those guys know how to run Josh McDaniels' offense. There's familiarity and there's respect there. Either one of those guys would be a good fit in the Raiders' uniform because they both would run the offense that McDaniels wants to run. So I could see that definitely being a possibility for Tom. We got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, we'll update our poll question of the day. Was last night's game the final one for Tommy? We'll get to your results and get to your most recent comments. That's all next right here on The Game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. Did you know that you can listen to The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station on your Amazon Alexa or your Google Home smart speaker? Just ask your Alexa or your Google Home to play The Game, Southwest Louisiana. It's that simple. Just simply ask it to play The Game, Southwest Louisiana. It's that easy. So do the smart thing and have the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, with you at your office, your home, and everywhere you go. Poll question of the day. We asked you, was last night Tom Brady's final game? I don't know about you, but I'm exhausted by him. 43% of you say no. 34% say yes. 23% say maybe. The man sacrificed his marriage to a supermodel to have a losing record and get bounced in the first round of the playoffs. I, I don't know, man. I'm all about being competitive, but whew, you were already winning life, Cat. What are you doing? Like, just what are you doing? Mr. Green has chimed in, our resident Tampa Bay fan. I'm touched that Martin wanted to check in at least – he doesn't have to go to VHS for playoff wins now. I've said it before. I'm not a Brady fan. He'll probably retire like before and then go play for Carolina or something. I don't see that, but that's still funny. Keep those votes coming on the poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter, and we'll make sure to share them throughout today's show. That's going to do it for hour number one. Coming up in about 20 minutes from right now, Bob Marlin, Louisiana Raging Cajun men's basketball coach, will join us. Plus, we'll take your phone calls. Hotline's open, 337-706-0111. You're listening to RP3 and Company right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything, everything. Everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Them Cowboys, how about them, huh? Got themselves a win on the road in the playoffs for the first time since 1993. What was I doing the last time the Cowboys won a road playoff game? 1993. Ooh. Ooh. Freshman year in high school? Yep. <laughs> that was 
I was I was on the back end of my freshman year in high school the last time the Cowboys won a road playoff game. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. Shout out to East Ascension High School. Cowboys win last night 31-14 over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom Brady's season comes to a merciful end as the Bucs, who were the only team with a losing record in the postseason, get promptly trounced by Dallas. Dak Prescott put on a show, five total touchdowns, four passing, one rushing. He was wildly efficient, made great decisions, distributed the ball to multiple different wide receivers. Guy had himself a game. Had, him, had himself a really, really good game. And while Dak was dealing and the Cowboys were able to effectively run the football, well over 100 yards rushing, defense got after it. Micah Parsons and company made Tom's night difficult. The Bucks were able to get a couple of touchdowns. Let's be honest, garbage time touchdowns late. That's what it boiled down to. This was not a competitive game by any stretch of the imagination. Tampa gets a touchdown in the third and a touchdown in the fourth. That was it. Tom Brady, soon to be 46-year-old Tom Brady, threw the ball 66 times. Usually, if you're throwing it 66 times, that's not a recipe for success. That usually means failure when you're throwing it that much. And, and the curious thing about Tampa, their run game is not nearly what it used to be. In particular, not what it was during the playoff run. Last four games of the regular season, and then the playoffs when Leonard Fournette had the best stretch of his entire football career, where he was running like an absolute beast. That doesn't exist anymore. But the weird thing about last night's game is, they only ran the ball 12 times, but it was for 52 yards. They averaged 4.3 yards a pop. They just went away from it because they were down and it was just, all right, let Tom throw. And he kept throwing and throwing and throwing and throwing and throwing. To the tune of 66 times. What will Tom Brady do now? Who knows? That's our poll question of the day. Was last night's game the final one of Tom Brady's career? Is it the last one? Yes, no, or maybe. I think he's going to take some time to evaluate everything. Tom Brady can still play. Is he MVP Tom Brady still? No, he's not. Is he still better than probably half the guys starting in the National Football League? Yes. Whether you like him or not, the reality is is that a slew of teams would be thrilled to have Tom Brady as their starting quarterback. But if you're Tom, you know, you went to Tampa because you wanted to prove yourself that you still had something in the tank. You wanted to prove that you could win without Bill Belichick. So you go down to Tampa, and they had some nice pieces on defense. They had some nice pieces on offense, and they kind of tailored the offense around you. But Tom has not been the same the last four years without Gronk. When he has Rob Gronkowski, Tom Brady's at a different level. No Gronk, it's different. That's been the case in Tampa, and that was the case at the tail end of New England. When he has Gronk, he's top three quarterback in the league. He hasn't had Gronk this season. 
He can still play at a high level. He's still probably a top 10 quarterback in this league. So there's going to be suitors. There's going to be teams that are going to want him. The Raiders make a lot of sense because Josh McDaniels was his longtime offensive coordinator in New England. They have a working relationship together. I also think Jimmy G is a strong candidate to go there as well. Believe the Raiders are going to go with a former Patriots quarterback one way or another this offseason. But there are going to be other suitors for Tom. There just will be. Where does he go? Or does he finally decide to hang it up? Did this season just beat it out of them? A very publicized divorce. A losing season. The first time he's had one of those since his, you know, his entire career. He loses to the Cowboys for the first time. He gets bounced from the playoffs in the wild card round. Maybe he just says, you know what? I came out of retirement to try to run it back with these guys. It didn't work. Maybe it's time for me to go and be a broadcaster and get paid hundreds of millions of dollars to be a broadcaster. Maybe that's what he eventually does. That contract's just waiting for him. That's done. That's signed, sealed, and delivered, just ready for Tom to stop playing football. But that is our poll question of the day. Was last night's game the final one of Tom Brady's career? Yes, no, or maybe. Go vote. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Let's head out to the game hotline. We'll come on Mr. Green to the show. School's back in session today, so he's Mr. Green again. Bud, your team took it on the chin last night, but you kind of were bracing for this, correct? So it can't be too devastating to see what happened last night in the wildcard round. And as a lifelong Buccaneers fan, it, there's never any dev- devastation when we lose. Uh, at least we made the uh, postseason right. So, uh, yeah, last night was a microcosm, not just of the, the Buccaneers season, but the NFC South as a whole. I mean, it just, good Lord, that was, it was, it was terrible. And, uh, you know, when you, when there's no reason for you to have to throw the ball, what was it, 66 times in a single game? 66 like, times. Like, get get a running back. Like, I, I, <laughs> we got Leonard Fournette. He's okay. But, you know, we, we just – But, Jamie, you I, averaged 4.3 yards a pop. If you run the ball three straight times, that's a first down. You only ran the ball 12 times. Only 12 that's, times. That's true. That's true. I, I do have to say the Buccaneers are the only team that – have utilized the running backs worse than the Saints this year. <laughs> like it, it's almost like it's almost like he goes, you know what? We got Tom Brady. Let him cook, and the dude's cooking ramen noodles and burning them. I, it's it's it doesn't make any sense to me. And the Bucks defense, Jamie, isn't real what quick, been in years Jamie, I, I need to interject. I need to interject. It's important. Okay, what's worse, burned ramen noodles or eating ramen noodles dry out of the package? Go burned ramen noodles right. i'll take dry ramen noodles all day over that right. but uh i can't stand but, you know the buccaneers defense hasn't been that that great lately either they've lost some key pieces and watching that game last night you know they were a couple of good defensive players away from like two or three different interceptions so you know the cowboys need to watch out because they're going up against a defense that's a lot better than tampa's and, you know, I understand Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, the shoes got to drop, all that stuff. I understand that. But they have some hosses on the other side of that ball. That front so seven of San Francisco is nasty. It just is. Yes. 
Yes, and you, Dak showed if you get in his face, he's going to make bad decisions. And three of those bad decisions should have been picked off, and one could have gone for a pick six. So if he does that against San Francisco, my man Martin, y'all going to be watching from the sidelines again. So uh, I hope y'all have a great rest of your day, and we'll talk at you later. Thank you, Jamie. Enjoy your day back at school, bud. Yeah, the matchup for the Cowboys now, they're going to be feeling confident, and they got the the road playoff win, and they're getting – you know, they're moving on to the divisional round. And we get a 49ers-Cowboys playoff game, which is, uh, for the, for those of us that are old enough to remember, you know, the NFL in the 80s and the 90s, unlike my entire staff who wasn't born yet, really, this is always kind of blockbuster. Cowboys-49ers duking it out in the playoffs. Dak had a great performance but Jamie's right a couple of those throws should have been interceptions but they're going to be feeling confident but San Francisco's front seven is absolutely nasty that's advantage 49ers all day long they're going to bottle up their run game they're going to force Dak to beat him with his arm and that's going to allow them to play some more bracket coverage on the back end that's going to be advantage San Francisco And, and once again Micah Parsons is a dog, and he's going to get after Brock Purdy, and he's going to make Brock's day difficult. There's going to be no denying that. But San Francisco can also run the football. And they also have Debo Samuel, who's a guy that you utilize in so many different ways, at running back, on end rounds, on screen passes. He can also take the top off the defense. He's your X factor in this game. But San Francisco versus Dallas in the playoffs. I'm not a fan of either team, but that's going to be a heck of a ball game. We're going to get 49ers Cowboys, and we're going to get Giants and the Eagles. It's as if the 1980s are back. The only one missing is my Washington football team commander slash Redskins in the mix. It's going to be a good weekend on the NFC side. And then the AFC, look, Bengals-Bills, that should be really, really good. Should be really good. Which team is going to be more focused is going to win that game. And I could see either team winning that game. That's a coin flip game. And for me, that's probably going to be a coin flip game all the way up to kickoff. Because there's so much emotion involved in that matchup. And neither team has played well since the incident with DeMar, right? They both looked, lacked focus. They both have looked sloppy. Which team can kind of put that aside and the emotions aside and just go out there and play a football game is going to be the team that's going to win Sunday. And even though Jacksonville is confident and Jacksonville is rolling into Kansas City, you got to like the Chiefs. I'm just sorry. I just, I like Kansas City there. Let's head back out to the hotline. Welcome on, Rental to the show. Rental, good morning to you, brother. Hope you had a tremendous weekend. What's on your mind, bud? I was just wondering, if, is it just me or even the whole season? I find there's a lot of parity in this season in the playoffs. Normally, going to the playoffs, you know who's going to be in the Super Bowl. You know the top teams. But it seems like to me this year, 
I don't have a you know I didn't have a lot of faith in Dallas. Uh, I don't have a lot of faith in Philadelphia. Uh, I mean, even though they're good, uh, Jalen's coming back. Uh, Kansas City, I mean, they're beatable. Uh, Buffalo, I mean, there's no one that's out there. Maybe the San Francisco that is dominant, that is just, okay, they're the Super Bowl favorites. I don't see it. Is it just me? No, no. I've said it as well, Ronald, all season long. It, there's not a dominant team in the NFL this season. And I, I think if we look back, it's kind of been that way for a few years now, right? I, I think the evolution of offense combined with the way officials call games, which favors offense and this takes yeah. away the aggressiveness on defense, in particular on the back end, right? The, the days yeah. of seeing Ronnie Lott and those guys playing and, and Steve Atwater playing in the safety position just no longer exists. They just don't. So, or even Ed Reed. I mean, he 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 stopped playing not that long ago. That's part of it, and I, I think it's harder for teams to put together stout defenses because it's such an offensive-minded league. Yeah. And that's part of it. And, it, and if you kind of design your offense in a certain way, if you get one pretty good quarterback – and uh, one top-flight, top-ten wide receiver, you're going to have a chance every Sunday. That's just how the league is now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I, I just thought, I mean, I'm like, I, I got to be, you know, I was wondering if I was crazy, but it, it just seemed to me it's hard, it's getting harder to pick who's going to be the dominant one, and there's really no dominant one. There's no – there's, there's right. There's no dominant one, and I, it, all the teams left – all the teams left could easily – I could see all of them making it to the Super Bowl, every yeah, single one of them. Yeah, And I think as far as Sean Payton, you know, some people are thinking, well, if he goes here, if he goes there, you know, I don't really care where he goes. He's still a person. He's still a coach. He's not He's not the best thing since sliced bread. He still has to coach. He still has to get his players, you know, uh, more power to him if he wants to go back in coaching. But you still have to win games. Teams still have to beat you. So, I mean, when it comes down to it, I mean, just he's not dominant. So, you know, let, let him go coach and see what he can do again. There you go. Well said, brother. Appreciate the time, Reynolds. Enjoy your day, bud. All right. You have a great one. Yeah. Sean Payne wants to get back into coaching. Good luck. Get after it. Just, you know, get after it. He, he was burned out. He decided to step away, and he doesn't want to go back to New Orleans because he doesn't want to have to deal with that rebuilding project. Plus, Sean's ego wants to prove that he can win elsewhere. That's the other part of this as, as well, by the way. He won in New Orleans, did a lot of great things in New Orleans. But i just like to point out, you know, you know, everyone's talking about, oh, you're going to replace Mike McCarthy with Sean Payton. Well, you look at their playoff resumes and their resumes in general, they're eerily similar. Both had first ballot Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Both had multiple average seasons. Both of them only won one Super Bowl. Their postseason records are nearly identical. Just saying, perception plays a big role here. Everyone perceives Sean Payton as this genius and Mike McCarthy as a, as a schlub. When in reality, they're a lot more similar than you think. We got to take a timeout. When we return... Bob Marlin, Louisiana Raging Cajuns men's basketball coach, joins us. 
Cajuns are on a roll. We'll talk about it. That's next right here on The Game. RP3 grew up dreaming of one day playing right field for the Atlanta Braves. Just like his hero, Dale Murphy. I wanted to grow up and be Dale Murphy. Little Raymond, though, wasn't quite the caliber of athlete of his childhood hero as his lone highlights as a ball player were being beat twice in the head. That actually explains a lot. Back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The Louisiana Raging Cajuns men's basketball team is on quite a roll. After starting conference play, with back-to-back losses, they have reeled off four straight, including two last week on the road. Now, they'll continue that road trip this week as well as they'll be heading up to Jonesboro, Arkansas, and also going to San Marcos for games against Arkansas State and Texas State to talk about his team's performance and how they're playing right now at this point of the season is the longtime head men's basketball coach of the Raging Cajuns. Bob Marlin joins us now. Coach, good morning to you, brother. Congratulations on getting the back-to-back road wins. Thanks, Raymond. Uh, good morning to you. And we, we played well both games uh, at times and uh, just glad to get out of an arch ride on a tough in a place that's always tough for us to play in Mobile with a couple of wins. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about the Thursday game because you guys jumped out on them early kind of, you know, we're executing, firing on all cylinders. And as you know, and you knew this, you knew they were going to make runs because basketball is all about runs. And they made runs, and they tried to make a game of it, and they clawed their way back into the ball game, especially there in the second half. But your team, every time they made it somewhat close, your guys responded. How impressive was that on the road at a rival to see your guys respond that way when another team is making a run trying to claw back into it? It's always impressive to maintain the lead. We led from the opening tip, and as you said, we jumped out firing on all cylinders. We were hitting three-point shots. We were scoring inside. I think we scored eight of our first nine possessions. Played really good defense, and at the 15-minute mark, we're up 21-4. to four. So we just have to continue to play. And later in the half, Raymond, I, I want to say the score is 41-17. to 17. We had a chance to – knock them out right there and we we missed a shot we were close and then a couple of fouls go against us next thing you know they've got it back down to 15 points and we knew that there would be a push uh but it it says a lot about our group and how connected we are that we can sit back and and uh come come out from a run and maintain the lead the other thing that kind of stands out about this year's team, and you and I have talked about it, Coach, about the team chemistry, and it's great with, with, with the guys and with you. But the other thing that stands out to me is kind of the unselfishness of this group. You know, Jordan Brown is the preseason player of the year, but this is a guy who has no problems drawing the double team and kicking it out to his teammates and letting them get the shots and letting them score the buckets. How important is that? for to have a team like that and have a bunch of unselfish guys out there that have no problems passing the ball to someone else and letting them get the buckets. We've got a high character group, Raymond, and Jordan has grown so much in the two years he's been here. Uh, of course, he graduated first semester uh, and 
Scott's got, got a bright future in front of him, but the, the, just sharing the ball and, and moving it around, that's the kind of team that we had. And because of that, our offensive numbers are outstanding. Jordan had six assists against South Alabama career high. He had five assists against Monroe career high. So uh, to play out of the post is something that a lot of teams don't have, and we're very appreciative. I also notice that two players in particular have taken big steps this season compared to what they did last year. And it's not that they didn't contribute for you, Coach, last year because they did, but their games have evolved a little bit. They seem more confident. Of course, I'm talking about Kentrell Garnett and, of course, Greg Williams Jr. Those are two of your guys that are averaging double-digit points for your team, two of four of players that are doing that. What's been the big difference for both of those young men from last season to this season? The biggest thing with Greg last year, Raymond, when we signed him, he came in in June and he had a lower back issue that he'd been dealing with the whole season at St. John's. So we really slow played him and didn't didn't practice a lot. He missed a lot of time, even in September and some in October. And then when the season started, he got off to a quick start and then he struggled a little bit. Uh, as several of our guys did and our team did, but he stayed the course. He's a great teammate. He worked extremely hard. He's a great young man, and he just continued to work and work, and he's obviously got skills and can shoot the basketball. He's got good strength. He's a great athlete, great defender, uh, and he's all about the team. He was in high school, led his team to state championship, and he is here with us. So I think that's the biggest thing with him, just working um, – also, I think that Kentrell has done the same thing. You know, he's got 98 career three-pointers, Raymond. Uh, needs two more for 100. He is ranked second among active career NCAA three-point shooters in the country. Second. I mean, it's amazing coming here as a walk-on and how much he's improved his game and gotten stronger. So, th- those are they both work a lot. Uh in the gym they put in extra time every day and because of that I think they're having success and I'd like to think that our new coaches have also made a big difference too they've they've been outstanding and uh, the guys love working out another player that's taken a step under you and your staff's tutelage is Joe Charles Uh, you know someone as I watched him in high school help his team win a state championship knew he had talent knew he could play but he is really has some tenacity, especially for playing defense for you, Coach. Uh, talk about his progression from last year as a true freshman to this year, and he's become one of your best defensive players. Yeah, he really has. He's, he's so versatile. He's our best defensive player, Raymond. I think we can say that. He, he can guard a guard. He can guard a forward. He can guard a big. Uh, he has great anticipation. He gets his hands on a lot of balls. He deflects balls. He comes up with balls. He blocks shots. Um, he does a great job for us in so many different areas. And then he's not really a scorer. He doesn't look to score. But on this past road trip, he had a what a career-high 15 and then um, also came back and, and had 12 at South Alabama. He was huge in both games. He missed one shot on the road trip. I think it was 12 or 13 from the floor. Uh, and just really made a made a huge impact. And we're, we're excited about Joe, uh, just like you, Raymond. When we watched him in high school, we knew that he was versatile. We thought he could be a great defender. 
and our evaluation of him is spot on, and he's coming on and getting past his injuries. You know, he missed a couple of years in high school and, and then had an injury with us in Puerto Rico and had to have surgery in September, but he is coming back and playing consistent basketball for us. And, and uh, another one of the guys at the team, the team loves Joe. I mean, everybody loves Joe. You're in the midst of a four-game road trip in conference play. You're a veteran coach, so I'd love your perspective on this. What do you learn about your team when you're on these lengthy road trips, especially in conference play? Just how much they want to compete, how they prepare. Uh, we spend a lot of time with video one-on-one and with the group and verbally writing and going over scouting reports and our guys, uh, we, the term is locked in. They, they get focused, and I thought that focus was really good, especially at Monroe to begin that game. I thought we were outstanding, and then I thought the focus the second half against South Alabama was was very good. But just the, their, their will to win and uh, want to fight for a conference championship. Wrapping up our conversation here with Bob Marlin, longtime men's basketball coach for the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, their team his team, rather, gets back at it this Thursday in Jonesboro at First National Bank Arena when they take on Arkansas State. Tip will be set for 7 o'clock. And then on Saturday, they'll be at Strahan Arena in San Marcos, Texas, to take on Texas State. Coach, what can you tell us about your opponents this week, the Red Wolves and the Bobcats? Well, the opening night, you know, you, you were talking about our opened up with two losses. There were two road losses, about one and four points. And we got to the free throw line 24 less times than our opponent in both those games, and they could have been different outcomes. But at the end of the day, Raymond, the the opening game uh, at Coastal that night, Arkansas State played at Old Dominion, and they beat Old Dominion 60 to 57. And that that shows you what kind of team that, that they've got. Now they've struggled a little bit since then. They've lost a couple of close games. Uh, and their backs are against the wall already. They're going to come out, and we always get a great view from them in Jonesboro. Uh, so it's a tough venue, tough crowd, and their, their team will come out and be, be angry to start. They've got a 6'8 post player that uh, transferred from Assumption College up east that's averaging a double-double form, like right at 10 and 10, 11 and 10. And he's done a good job. They also have a 7-2 freshman that transferred from Florida State. That's a super big kid. They've got another freshman about 6-11 that is a uh, good player from Marietta, Georgia. But their guards are different. If you can remember, Marcus Eaton played forever against us, I think five or six years, and always was a solid player. But he's, he's gone. Desi Seals is gone. So Caleb Fields is the one guy, the guard that's back, that's a junior, and he's an all-conference selection. We'll have to contain him. We'll also have to contain Avery Feltz and Marquise Davis, a couple of three-point shooters. Coach, always appreciate your time. Best of luck on the road trip to Jonesboro and San Marcos, and we'll talk to you next week, brother. Thanks, Raymond. Louisiana Raging Cajun men's basketball coach Bob Marlin. Once again, his team's riding a four-game winning streak. They're going to be taking on Arkansas State Thursday night, and then it'll be Texas State on Saturday.
And it's interesting because he's right. Arkansas State beat Old Dominion, who then turned around and beat UL to start the season. So Sunbelt Conference is very talented, and it's kind of stacked, and it's also wide open. So got to stay focused, got to keep the eyes on the prize, so to speak, especially during a long road trip like this. We got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, we'll stick with the hardwood, talk about the New Orleans Pelicans. Man, they played tough, they played hard, and hung for three quarters with the Cleveland Cavaliers, but ended up falling short in the end. We'll recap it for you coming up next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Great news, my sports-loving friend. No more aimlessly searching for sports talk love by swiping left or right. That's because you've already found the perfect match. For sports talk love, that is... Now, back to the only lover you'll ever need. The game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Uh, just ran out of gas. Didn't make enough plays. And give them credit. They, they started the fourth quarter with a lot of juice. 11-0 run. And um, like I told our guys in the locker room, our margin for error is small. So we can't allow teams to get on an 11-0 run by not rebounding the ball, by, you know, just unforced errors. Um, and so, you know, they, they did a good job of taking care of their home court, and that's an area in the fourth quarter where we can improve. New Orleans Pelicans head coach Willie Green following the 113-103 loss at the Cleveland Cavaliers. The Pelicans fall to 9-13 and on the road. They hung tough for three quarters. This was a tight ball game. Played earlier in the day yesterday on MLK Day. NBA always does a big kind of like holiday, multiple games, holiday schedule for MLK Day. Hung tough. This was a three-point game at the break. But then the fourth quarter came. And Cleveland outscored them 35-22. to And what was a close game for three quarters wasn't in a heartbeat. That 11-0 run said it. And the Pels right now don't have enough guys. There's no Zion. When is he going to come back? I would not expect to see Zion Williamson until after the All-Star break, being honest. And I'm not for sure if we're going to see Brandon Ingram at all. This toe thing just... He's still not back from it. So you got two all-stars that you're without. Herb Jones can't get healthy. And they hung tough last night. So the good part is that this is a team that even with three of its starters out of the ballgame, including two all-stars, on the road, hung tough with one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. That's a positive. That's a good thing. C.J. McCollum, he has really carried this team during this stretch, probably deserves to be headed to the All-Star game, just the way with his play. He had 25 points last night. Valachunas, double-double, 22 and 13, 11 of those defensive rebounds. The guy is so good defensively at rebounding. 
Najee Marshall forced to be in the starting lineup. He gets you 14. Trey Murphy, 7 of 14 from the field, three three-pointers, 17 points. Dyson Daniels, the rook, only got you four points. They got really nothing out of the bench, and he only utilized four players in the rotation last night. Willie went with more of a tight rotation. But this team doesn't know when it's getting Zion back. This team doesn't know when it's getting B.I. back. Herb Jones can't stay healthy either. Those are three starters. And this team is not good on the road. They get the juice. They get the energy when they play at home in the Smoothie King Center. When they're away from New Orleans, they're not the same team. Now, I know I'm talking about a team without star players. I get that. But they win these type of games at home. They're not winning them on the road. And if you're going to be a contender, if you're going to be one of those top four teams in the Western Conference and make a deep playoff run, you're going to have to learn how to beat quality opponents on the road. The Pelicans still quite haven't figured that part out yet. Maybe they will, but not yet. Trey Murphy, as I mentioned, double-digit points for him again. Three of six from three-point range. And Willie Green talked about the second-year guy, their best three-point shooter, and his shot selection from last night's game. I love that he was using a shot fake. You know, Mobley was jumping out at him, so he shot faked a few times, especially in the second half, got to the basket, and uh, he was able to finish. I think that's a part of Trey's game that will continue to grow. Trey's getting better. He's take, You see him take the step in year two. They have a great young core, and they're making improvements, and you're seeing it from Trey. Plus, Trey's also committing to defense, which is always is not has been his game. So you're seeing guys develop in front of you. That's good, and they're putting in the work, and Willie gets them to play hard. Once again, you saw it last night. Down three starters, two of them all-stars, and they hung tough for three quarters against a very good Cleveland Cavaliers team who's led by a guy that can drop 61 points in a heartbeat. Spider Donovan Mitchell, by the way, had an off night, only had 11 points in 22 minutes. But the other four starters for the Cavaliers all scored in double digits, including Garland, who dropped 30. So even when their best player is having an off night and is restricted with minutes, the Pels still weren't able to take advantage. Now, Dyson Daniels, he's a young man. He's a rookie. They really like him. They believe in him. He didn't have a great night last night in the starting lineup. Played 29 minutes. Only got him four points and four assists and four steals. So he contributed. This is what his head coach had to say about the rook. I thought he was really good defensively. Like you said, especially in the first half, uh, physical, getting deflections, getting steals, allowing us to get out and play in the open floor on the offensive end. So he's giving them something. He can do multiple things, which is good. Now, another guy that we don't talk nearly enough that has really carried a lot of the load for this team, especially this season, is Valachunas. He gets you the double-double, and 
He gets the dirty double-doubles, I like to call, because he goes down there and he gets the defensive rebounds. It's easier to get the offensive boards, the way the game is played. It's a lot more difficult to go out there and hit the glass on defense, and he does a masterful job of that, especially late in games, and Willie talked about that. Well, with guys being out, number one, he he's a uh, force in the post. So when we could throw the ball down to JV, uh, he settles us down offensively. He can make plays from that position. He rebounds the ball. He can get to the free throw line. So a lot of good on the offensive end. Uh, defensively, I thought he was in the right places. Um, you know, we, we could have did better at contesting some of their shots in the paint. Um, that's usually one of our spots that we really look at, and we, that's something we didn't do well tonight. So that's as a group. Pels dropped the game 113-103 yesterday against Cleveland. They'll be returning home, though, after this little road swing, and they'll be taking on the Miami Heat tomorrow night inside the Smoothie King Center. We'll see if they can get back on track against Jimmy Butler and company as the fellas from South Beach come to the Big Easy. We'll talk more about the Pels and where they're at, the status of Zion, the status of B.I. and Herb when Ali Cassell joins us coming up next hour right now we got to take a time out when we return we'll update that poll question of the day get to your comments as well you're listening to rp3 and company right here on the game southwest louisiana sports station and your home for the lsu tigers and the world series champion houston astros lafayette marble and granite offers the largest selection of granite quartz and marble here in acadiana and Chris and his team over at LMG, they appreciate the opportunity to earn your business. The wife and I were doing our bathroom remodel a few years ago, struggling to find the right marble, the right cut. Thankfully, we found Chris and his team over at LMG. Not only did we find the marble that my wife wanted, we were able to get it in the cut she wanted, and the customer service was phenomenal. And look, here's the deal. LMG provides more than just show-stopping marble countertops for your kitchens, your bathrooms, your man caves, even your she sheds. They also now have an extensive selection of custom shower builds with their new line of grout-free showers. Make sure to visit their website, lmgelite.com. That's lmgelite.com to learn more about all the sensational services and great products they have to offer. Live inventory is updated every single Wednesday. Visit lmgelite.com. Or stop by their renovated showroom located right there on I-49 North across from Hub City Ford in the Jockey Lot. Lafayette Marble and Granite, they're looking to earn your business. And trust me, earn it, they will. Poll question of the day we asked you was last night's game the final one of Tom Brady's career? Yes, no, or maybe. Let's get to some comments here on Facebook. Mike says, after that performance, let's hope so. I mean, he set out what he wanted to do, and that's to hold every record manageable without having to worry about them getting broken. Edward says it was his last game with the Bucks. Salty Steve says, I watched Joe Namath, Johnny Unitas, and Joe Montana play past their prime. It was odd to see them finish in uniforms different from the ones they became famous in. Terry Bradshaw stayed with the Steelers but admitted he played three years too long. It's very difficult to walk away from something that you have devoted your whole life to. That is just football. Nobody remembers Ali's last three fights when he was a shell of himself and was pummeled. For every John Elway fairy tale ending, there are 20 nightmares. Brian says, hopefully it was his last, but I doubt it. Another Brian all says, hopefully. And Phil on Facebook says, 
yes, at least it should be. Right now, vote totals on the poll question of the day was last night's Tom Brady's final game. 44% of you say no. 31% say yes. And 25% of you say maybe. Darren on Twitter says, Tom will not stop until his career ends on some defensive lineman's terms, meaning when he takes that hit and his body says, I feel like I'm 65 instead of 45 like the rest of us normal people. He may be there. He may be pretty close to that point yet. Ralph on Twitter says, don't be surprised to see him with Sean if Peyton lands with any team other than Denver. I think he should retire, but doubt he will. Heck, if it isn't at QB, he could probably kick for the Cowboys next year. Oh, there it is. B-Rad says, it should have been, but I doubt even he knows right now. Apparently, he's traded the supermodel for a newer model. Oh, yeah. Tom's living his best life. Doug says, who knows? I believe that he has one more in the tank, but that's just me. And he could be. You know, he could have one more season in him. I think he's going to take some time, really kind of study on it, and see what happens with the draft, see what happens with all the other quarterbacks, and see what opportunities are there for him and what he feels comfortable going after. Keep voting on the poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Just make sure you keep it clean for the kids. Hour number two in the books. Hour number three, we'll kick it off with Jim Gazzolo of the Lake Charles American Press. That's next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and World Series champion Houston Astros. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything, everything. Everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Coming up half an hour from right now, Ali Cassell will join us, the editor-in-chief of the Bird Rights, as we're going to talk all things New Orleans Pelicans. Gave a valiant effort on the road at Cleveland, even led this ball game in the third quarter, but Cleveland was just too good in the fourth as the Pels still shorthanded, no Zion, no B.I., no Herb Jones, fall to 9-13 and on the road this season. We'll talk about that with Ollie coming up half an hour from right now. But right now, we're going to kick off our final hour of RP3 and company by talking all things McNeese Cowboys with the man who covers them for the Lake Charles American Press. He's also the host of Poke Nation and the host of McNeese Coaches Show, which you will listen at a special time this week on Thursday night instead of Wednesday night. That's right. It'll be on a special time of Thursday this week. It's our good friend, the man known as the great one, Jimmy G from LC, Jim Gazzolo, joins us. Jim, good morning. How are you, brother? I am fine. Outstanding. So you're telling me, so you're Love telling the me enthusiasm. You're telling me Zion is not playing. Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, stunning. Neither is Brandon Ingram. Okay. Great stuff, Jim. Great having you on, as always. But can't wait to listen to the Benice Coaches Show this week. I'm sure it'll be as thrilling as that was. <laughs> Thank you. 
<laughs> oh, hey, you know, we don't have to talk about me, niece. We can talk about the fact that rumor is your Bears want to draft another quarterback and throw the one that you're trying to develop aside like trash. You want to talk about that instead? I think that's a, I think that's a great rumor. <laughs> get, people, get people interested. Yeah, you can't give up on Justin Fields. He's got potential. Come on they're now. They're not going to give. They're going to do. If you get more for Justin Fields, you do whatever you get more for. But That's no, they're right. not going to do that, I don't think. There you go, bud. There you go. Let's hope it's going to be a good offseason for your Bears. Let's hope. Let's hope. Let's hope that happens. It can't be any worse than the regular season. So, <laughs> uh, All right, let's talk about McNeese Athletics. What's going right. on with the men's basketball team? What's wrong? Uh, they're flawed. You either go small and get beat up inside and hang on to the basketball, or you go big and you turn the basketball over and you get beat uh, outside. So <laughs> um, that, that's it. They're just not a complete team right now. Uh, they're still searching for a combination of players that actually works. Um, they're exciting. They play – when they go small, they're exciting, but they just got beat up this week especially inside um, when you have a six, four forward going against a six ten center inside, you're going to lose that. And uh, that's what happened. And they, they gave up, they gave up 32 to a guard, 26 to a center. You're not going to win too many games. If you do that. But it seemed like they had figured it out with the small lineup, right? With the four guards and, and using yeah. Christian and that seemed to work and, and it worked even on Joe Dumars' day, but in the three games since then, it's been a tough loss to Texas A&M Commerce, a game they probably should have won there at the Legacy Center. Then on the road against a more fired-up Northwestern State team who was a little angry about losing the week prior. And then they lose against Houston Baptist University, the fighting CVSs. So it, it worked for a little while, but now it doesn't work. The fighting CVSs. That's right. Uh classic the far, yes they lost but they, they didn't lose at the pharmacy so that's good they did not um, unfortunately no uh this is this is the issue of they're now on there's now tape of what they're doing and i think that's the difference and people say if hey we're gonna guard you on the three and what else do you have and right now they have not found a combination of able to stop you it's not their offense is fine um but you can't give up 82, 89, and 90 in three straight league games and think you're going to win. The fact that they're in two of those three games, the fact that they have a chance to win those shows the offense is the problem. But you, you just, they're getting destroyed on the boards and everybody's gone big now against them. So the counter is do they have anything that can go big to counter that when they do? And they haven't found that yet. Right, because now, teams – You can't grow people on the bench. Because teams are scouting them and noticing that they don't have a yeah. necessary a post presence, so they're taking advantage of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's that's what hurts when you don't even have a big guy they can just throw out there, right? They, they just don't have that. So you have to live well, they, and die they with they it. Have, they have a couple, but they're not – it changes. They go back to the problem of then they don't have a ball handlers. So the problem of the early part of the season shows up and they turn the ball over. They don't get them shots up. So it's, 
what can he find a combination that works? So you believe that they're going to continue tweaking this throughout the rest of the season because now they have to make the adjustment to the adjustment other teams are making to their initial adjustment, right? I mean, that's what that's what it boils down to. He makes the he, he decides to go small because he feels like, and we're talking about John Aiken, the second-year men's basketball coach, to go small because it gives them an advantage. Well, now teams are countering with saying, okay, that's great and all, but now we got big guys, and we're going to yeah. win in the paint. So what is what can John even do now to counter teams playing big fellas playing in the post against them? Well, he, ha- he has a couple of big guys. Uh, Ty McMillan, Malachi Rhodes. Rhodes will be back uh, sometime soon. But he has to play them and find a group that can do this because he can't – you're ended up getting Shubane in trouble foul-wise. Uh, and that takes away all your inside. It's it's what I said is they're they're flawed in the fact that you don't you only have limited resources, and I don't know if they have enough pieces. And we're still we're now into mid January and we're searching for a lineup that works. So this is not uh, this has some negative potential. How's that? <laughs> negative potential is the way he phrases that. I like that. Well, <laughs> it it does have negative potential. That's correct. And now this week they have the weird part of the schedule where they're playing the same opponent back-to-back games. Nichols yeah. on Thursday on the road in lovely home of Thibodeau. And then back at the Legacy Center on Saturday against the Colonels as well. But Nichols is 3-2 and two in the Southland. That's tied for yeah. third best in the league. They're 8-9 and nine overall, but they're 6-0 and oh at home. So I guess the mindset heading into this week for McNeese is got to get a split here with Nichols. I mean, you like to win both games, obviously, but Nichols proves that they're really good at home this season. That's going to be tough to win at, but you're hoping just to get a split this week, right? Yeah, I think so. And and Nichols is, is not going to – they're not thick. They're going to be a lot like McNeese, which is why you play well at home. You always shoot better at home when you're a shooting team. And they're a lot like McNeese, and they're not going to be able to overpower them inside. Uh, they're a guard-oriented, three, four-guard team just like McNeese. Um, so that's going to be the, the thing is who shoots the basketball better. Um, yeah, I think that the weird thing about this schedule, it's made up because Lamar and Carter uh, Ward came back to the league late is that nobody likes it. You have essentially, by the end of this week, they will have played, they will be done with Northwestern State, they will be done with uh, Nichols, and we're only a third of the way through the season. Um, So it's weird in the fact that you can't really make too many adjustments from a Thursday to a Saturday. Um, But what we're seeing is most of these uh, back-to-backs have been split because of that. In other words, the team that loses the first game generally ends up making the adjustments almost like an NBA playoff game and has the advantage the second game, especially when it's at home. But they've got to get a split. If they don't get a split, we've got to start talking about are they going to make the tournament itself, which is at uh, McNeese. So this this is a, a pivotal week to at least get one because they still got two with Corpus. Uh, they still got to go to Commerce. 
you start looking at games and saying, eh, are they going to make the tournament? Uh, you can't mean, host the tournament and not make the tournament. Oh. It's soccer. You don't get the automatic bid. And, and the rest of the schedule past Nichols this week, you know, Incarnate Word and Lamar are two of the worst teams in the conference at, at, at this point. Yes. Right there at the bottom of the standings with McNeese. But they still got to play Texas A&M Corpus Christi. They still got to play Texas A&M Commerce. They still got to play Southeastern. They still got to play UNO. Th- these are not necessarily going to be easy games for them no. – to be able to kind of turn things around and make sure to qualify for the conference tournament, which they're going to be hosting there at the Legacy Center. Now, the season doesn't wrap up until March 1st, so there's plenty of time here for them to figure it out, but eh, time is a ticking. Yeah, it is. And the fact that they've lost now at home two games uh, that were winnable, um, is really kind of telling on a, a, and problematic because, I, like like you saw, is eight of the ten teams make it. You got to assume that Lamar and Incarnate Word are right now the two that you don't think are going to make it. But you don't want to be in that group. You don't want to be the eight seed in your own tournament either. Um, this is you know that you you got these tournaments to be competitive. Uh, so there's a lot of pressure to do well, not only get to the tournament, but to do well in the tournament for a financial reason. And that's why that so many teams, they have a target on their back because everybody's like, well, what do you do to deserve these tournaments? So they're also getting everybody's A game right now. Um, I like to joke, but they're the most disliked program of the conference because they kind of held hostage to this and got everything they wanted to, to stay in the league. And now they have an opportunity to either do something with that or to give it all right back. Right. And the difference between them and, say, ninth place right now is one game. That, that's, yeah. that, 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 that's it. Even though they've beaten Lamar twice, <laughs> they're only a game difference between McNeese and Lamar in, in, in conference play. So this, you know, this is going to be a key stretch. Do I feel like McNeese has enough talent, Jim? To avoid not making the tournament, yes. Do I think they're going to be in between six and eight when the conference tournament begins in March? Yeah, I mean that's how that's how it looks like to me. Yeah, I mean, it, I I think originally we thought four to five. Right now, there's I would say there is six to seven seed uh, from what I've seen, and teetering more towards the bottom than the top. But that's you know, last year they went in as a seventh seed. They won a game. Um, but we're not seeing – I think the problem is this. Teams are coming into the Legacy Center and winning. So any advantage you have or perceived advantage you have of playing at home, they're getting pretty comfortable with your gym too. It's true. <laughs> and that's not what you wanted to see. And um, – I, I think there's I think there's some issues that have to be cleared up and pretty quick and I I don't know where after Incarnate Word and Lamar the easy wins are on the schedule so you, you want to start seeing you want to see the ability to make an adjustment when somebody goes big you want to have at least a lineup that can compete big when somebody goes small you want to have a lineup that goes small they don't have the components yet to have both lineups. We're talking with Jim Gazzolo. Three point shots. There's no offense. 
We're talking with Jim Gazzolo of the Lake Charles American Press. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. All right, let's switch over to the women. They did pick up a win on Saturday against Houston Christian to kind of uh, stop a little bit of a uh, two-game skid of their own. But they're 5-11 and 11 overall, 2-3 and three in conference play. What do you make of what you're seeing from the women's basketball team? Well, it's a totally different vibe. Um, they gave away two games. So they've played well enough to be 4-1. and one. Uh, They gave away the game at Northwestern State where they had three chances at the end to win it. They really gave away the game at home to Commerce. Um, So they're playing much better. They're a much better basketball team. We saw Christina Gill back at the point uh, Saturday, and we saw her go for, I think it was eight points and three assists and hold on to the basketball. And what she did... It was her first extended period of time back since the first game of the year. What she does is she gives everybody into position. She allows Desiree Hansen to play off the ball and shoot threes, which she did the other day. I think she had 13 points. So she's she's had 20, 18, and 13 in her last three league games. Um, she allows uh, Zuzana to play off the ball and make drives to the basket. They're getting more inside uh, from a trio of players that are now able to rebound and, and score inside. With Christina Gill, they don't turn the ball over. They have an opportunity with her to really advance and make and, and be better. Uh, she's been the missing piece because she's a point guard that they didn't have a point guard. They had Hanson playing point uh, too much. So I think they're trending upward. Um I think they'll, you know, Houston Christian was supposed to be just picked for second in the league, and that was their best game. And had they made their layups, because they missed 16 of them, <laughs> they would have won by 25 or 30. So that looks better um, than when you look at the men who are struggling to stop anybody on defense. Jim, appreciate your time as always. Enjoy. The McNeese Coaches Show this weekend on a special night on Thursday. Hope you have a tremendous oh, week, yeah, my friend. Mr. Personality's on. That's well, that's you. You host the show. You're Mr. Personality, no, aren't no, you? No, no, He's sure. He's sure. Mr. Media. There it is. Appreciate the time, bud. Thank you. All right. Enjoy the rest of the day. Always a ray of sunshine, Jim Gazzolo is. Oh, just brightens up our day every Tuesday. Not surly at all. No, not at all. Not surly or salty. Our guy, Jim. <laughs> we got to take a timeout. When we come back, we'll update that poll question of the day and take your phone calls. Hotline's going to be open. 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. You're listening to RP3 and Company right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. There are two types of sports reporters. Those who are respected for their ability at building relationships with coaches and players. And here's our game plan. Then there are those whose method of reporting is getting hammered with a college football team and Pat O's. We're going streaking! We'll let you guess which one RP3 is. Back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
Valentine's Day is right around the corner, and it can get, let's be honest, fellas, a little pricey. Am I right? Well, guess what? We want to help you out with you taking your lady out on Valentine's Day because we have tremendous gifts, gift certificates, and gift cards in our rewards club that have your name written on it. She doesn't need to know where you got them from. She doesn't need to know that you want them and you didn't buy them. All right? No one needs to know. It'll be our little secret. Because right now in the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com, we got a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort. We also have a $50 gift certificate to Richard Seafood Patio down in Abbeville. $40 gift card to Misfits Dine and Drink in Broussard. And we got a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen, also located there at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort. They're all in our clubhouse ready for you to win them but you can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com it's free it's simple so go sign up today poll question of the day after last night's 31-14 win by the Dallas Cowboys over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers a game which Dak Prescott had five total touchdowns and the kicker Missed four extra points. A guy that's made three kicks beyond 60 yards missed four extra points in this ballgame. Dallas moves on. Tampa season comes to an end. What does that mean for Tom Brady? Was last night Tom Terrific's final night in the NFL as a player? Right now, 44% of you, 43%, it just changed. 43% of you say no. 32% say yes, 25% of you say maybe, maybe. I think it's all going to depend on what the opportunity is. The man is going to be 46 years old. He's not going to want to just go play for a rebuild. He honestly thought that Tampa Bay would have an opportunity to be a contender once again. Remember, they tried to go back-to-back but lost to the Rams in the playoffs last year. He said, hey, we got all these guys coming back. We still got Devin White. We still got Whitfield on the defensive side of the football. I'm coming back. Leonard Fournette, Godwin, Mike Evans. But you know, Gronk wasn't part of it. And Tom has not been the same without Gronk the last three to four years. He still plays at a high level. But when Gronk's not there as his safety valve at tight end, his numbers take a dip. They just do. So they tried to bring in Julio Jones. They tried to do some other things. It didn't work. Julio was always injured. Imagine that. That's been the story of his career late. And they back into the playoffs as a below 500 division winner. And they get absolutely housed last night. But he still can play. Let's not pretend like Tom Brady is washed up. He's probably still a top 10 quarterback. He threw the ball 66 times. By the way, throwing the ball 66 times is not a recipe for success. But he still set the record again for most completions and most pass attempts. So the guy can still play at a high level. Is he what he was 10 years ago or even five years ago? No. Is he better than half the guys starting in the NFL? Sure is. So it's all going to depend on what fit. Who needs quarterbacks out there? 
The Raiders need a quarterback. We already talked about how he and Josh McDaniels have an existing relationship. McDaniels, of course, was his OC in New England. He could go to the Raiders. The Texans are going to need a quarterback, but he's not going to want to be part of a rebuild. Panthers, that's a rebuild as well. Saints, they're kind of in a rebuild. But I don't see Tom Brady coming to play for Dennis Allen. That's just not going to happen. Baltimore, sure does feel like Lamar Jackson is not going to come back, even though his teammates publicly are stumping for him to be their quarterback and to come back. They could be in the mix. The Colts have made a habit of signing soon-to-be-washed-up or actually washed-up aging quarterbacks to try to be a playoff team. It hasn't worked out. in the Jets. So are there really any good options for Tom out there? Lots of speculation that he goes back home. And what I mean by that is that he goes up back to California. He grew up a San Francisco 49ers fan. 49ers are going to part ways with Jimmy G. Jimmy G is going to be a free agent. They got Brock Purdy out there winning games for them. But is he going to be their guy? What do they do with Trey Lance? If Tom Brady calls up and says, hey, I got one more year in me. I want to come home. I want to win a Super Bowl championship for the team I grew up loving. Could he do that? Would they go for that? I don't know. I don't think there's that many viable, great options for Tom and good fits for what he wants because obviously he wants to win another championship. That's all that matters to him. Do any of those teams provide him with that opportunity? San Francisco would be really the only one. And that's if they would sign off on bringing Tom in at 46 years old. Keep voting on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. When we come back here on RP3 and Company, it'll be time for us to talk some New Orleans Pelicans with Ali Cassell of the Bird Rights. That's next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Pierre the Pelican and the King Cake Baby consider him a close personal friend. And we're the three best friends that anybody could have. We're the three best friends that anyone could have. Or at least a Facebook friend or MySpace friend. Is MySpace still a thing? I wonder what Tom is up to these days. He's desperate. He'd sleep with a meat grinder. Time for some more friendly Pelicans talk on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Let's be honest, we tend to have a lot of fun around here at the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, a Delta Media station. And look, if you're looking for a career change and have any type of sales experience, I'm talking working retail, telemarketing, auto sales, pharmaceutical sales, it really doesn't matter. If you have any type of sales experience, then Delta Media wants to hear from you. Email your resume to our sales director, Johnette Cochran, that's at jcochran at deltamediacorp.com. That's at 
Jay Cochran at DeltaMediaCorp.com. Or you can simply call 896-1600. That's 896-1600. We are efforting Ali Cassell of the Bird Rights to join us. If we can get him on, we'll talk all things New Orleans Pelicans. If not, you know what? We'll just wrap it. We'll just wrap with you for a little while. Not an issue. Not a problem. Poll question of the day. Have we seen the last of Tom Brady in the NFL? It feels like it's going to be a one year I think he's got one more year in him I think he's got one more year in him I could be wrong I mean the way he ended the press conference you know we've seen afterwards as well leaving the field giving his mom and dad you know hugs and kisses and looked pretty emotional to me I maybe this is it maybe this is it Because you look at all those situations. And I know my guy Darren is blowing me up in the DMs. Number one Raging Cajun fan. RP3 and company. Diehard Jets fan. And and, and I get it. But do you really think he'd go to the Jets? (sighs) Who's calling the offensive plays there? They would have to let Tom do it. They're not an offensive-minded team. They're a defensive-minded team. And they got some nice pieces there. But is that going to be Brett Favre to the Jets 2.0 all over again? I don't know, man. I don't know. I get it. Same division as the Patriots. You can stick it to them. They got a great defense. They do. Sauce Gardner is is an absolute stud. Bunch of cap room. Bunch of young weapons. And, And you're right. And they almost did get Tyreek Hill and Debo Samuel last year, but they didn't. The Jets is not a destination place. It just isn't. Now, if Tom goes there, could that change the perception? Could other players be like, hey, you know what? Jets got a really good defense. They got some nice young players, good, nice young wide receiver who they drafted in the first round. They got some nice... Nice pieces there. Let's go. Let's go play with Tom. Maybe. Well, absolutely. But I, I just, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. It, it could happen. It really could. I guess the Jets are a possibility. I don't believe the Jets are Tom Brady away from winning a Super Bowl. There's not. And how many more years are is how many more years is Tom Brady going to play? He wants to win right now. Tampa was in a better situation with their roster and then what they added. That's the other part of this. When he went to Tampa, they had nice pieces there, but they also added. They drafted a first round offense uh, lineman in the first round that became a starter. They brought in Gronkowski. They brought in Brady. Then they brought in Antonio Brown. They brought in other pieces with Tom. And it all kind of worked. Because they already had Evans. They already had Godwin. The Jets have some nice young pieces. Do they have anyone that's as good as Mike Evans and Chris Godwin right now? No. Not yet. 
They could be in a year or so. It feels like the Jets would be a year to a year away for Tom. Like maybe if they were further developed, they could. Now, once again, where Tom goes could matter, right? Wherever Tom goes could play a big role. And maybe he can get some other guys to come with him. But when you watch Tom Brady play this year, well, he looked tired a lot, didn't he? Now, I'm, not, I'm not talking about arm strength or anything like that. He didn't all of a sudden lose his ability to be able to throw a 15-yard pass like what happened to Peyton Manning and Drew Brees where all of a sudden they couldn't do that overnight. Peyton was fortunate enough to win a Super Bowl because they went to the backup quarterback. And then they had a running game and had a great defense. And he was able to retire and ride off into the sunset as a Super Bowl champion for a second time, just like John Elway did. That didn't work out for Drew, who kept hanging on while his ability declined. I just don't know. I just don't know who's a good fit. The Jets would be intriguing. Sure. And I do wonder, the Patriots don't feel great about Mac Jones. They're not close either. Does he want to cap his career by going back to New England where it all started? Maybe. I think that's highly doubtful. The Raiders are intriguing because the Raiders do have a head coach that was his offensive coordinator. They have an absolute stud running back in Josh Jacobs. Devontae Adams is still playing at an all-pro level at wide receiver. But the Raiders are the epitome of dysfunction. Could that be an option for Tom? Maybe. Could he go back to, say, California and play for San Fran? It's the team you rooted for. Yeah, we're to the point now where you just have to speculate with Tom because he's accomplished everything you could possibly accomplish in football. Has all the records, broke all Payton's records, broke all Drew's records, owns them all now. Has the most Super Bowls of anyone, most Super Bowl appearances of anyone. He has all the records that matter. All the passing marks, they're his. Super Bowls, they're his. Super Bowl appearances, they're his. Proving that he can win without Bill Belichick. Done. Check. Proving that he can play at a high level into his mid-40s. Check. Everything you could possibly want to accomplish in a career, he's accomplished twofold. What's left? He's a guy that is a motivator. He's a guy that has to motivate himself. He he comes up with narratives to motivate himself, to get ready. He, he didn't have to play the last four years, five years, last six years, or seven years. He didn't have to play any of those. Not a single one. Didn't matter. Did not absolutely matter. He chose to keep playing football. He chose to keep doing this and put his family on the back burner. Cost him his marriage. He's built different. So he'll find a reason in his brain to go, you know what, I'm going to play another year, and I'm going to play here. We have no idea what that is. We don't. 
we have no idea what that is. And I think he's going to take some legitimate time. Just like he did this past offseason where he actually quasi-retired for, what, 40 days and then decided to come back. I could see him maybe not making an announcement that he's retiring, but just saying, hey, you know what? I'm taking some time away. I got to think if this is something I really want to do another season, if I really want to play when I'm 46 years old. Because does he really want to? He's got nothing left to prove. Nothing left to show anyone. He owns everything. He's widely considered to be the greatest quarterback of all time. More Super Bowl appearances. More Super Bowl victories. All the passing marks. What's left? What's left? He has a television contract locked up that's going to give him close to $200 million. Just to talk. That's waiting for him as soon as he's done. As soon as he decides he's done playing football, he can just walk in and say, time to pay me $200 million to sit here and talk football. They don't even know if he can do it. They have no idea if he's capable of actually being good on television. They're just assuming, hey, it's Tom. People will tune in. Hopefully, he'll be as good as Tony Romo. They don't know. They all thought Drew Brees and Jason Witten were going to be good. They weren't. They just weren't. So what's going to happen? Don't know. Don't know. But it's going to be whatever Tom wants to do. Could he go to the Raiders? Sure, they got some pieces there. Could he go to the Jets? Maybe. I think that's more of a long shot because I don't think the Jets are quite ready for having Tom. But there's not that many options when you look at the landscape of the NFL for playoff teams that are in need of a quarterback. Maybe Baltimore, if they don't bring Lamar Jackson back, because that seems that relationship has deteriorated to the point where Lamar may leave. Then you're talking about a team that just made the playoffs and has some nice pieces at a quarterback, a veteran quarterback. Hey, maybe. But there's not a single opening a single team that needs a quarterback, Raiders, Bucks, Texans, Panthers, Saints, Ravens, Colts, Jets, there's not a single one of those that screams to me, yep, that's a ready-made fit for Tom Brady to take over and lead him to a championship in his last season in the NFL. Not a single one of them. Not a single one. So we'll see. We'll see what Tommy does. We're going to take a timeout. When we come back here, we'll finalize the poll question of the day and get you set up for Kevin Foot and Footnotes. That's all next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Just a reminder, don't forget to tune in tomorrow night, Wednesday night, as the LSU men's basketball team tries to get back on track when it hosts Auburn at the PMAC in SEC action. Pre-game is going to begin at 5.30 and tip is set for 6 o'clock. You can listen to all the action live right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. I want to take a moment to thank our guests for helping us make this Tuesday edition 
of RP3 and Company, tremendous Bob Marlin, Louisiana Raging Cajuns men's basketball coach, Jim Gazzolo, a radiant beam of sunshine he was, from the Lake Charles American Press, and we will reschedule Ali Cassell for another day. Poll question of the day. We asked you all about Tommy Boy. Is he going to stay? Is he going to go? Is he going to come back for yet another season and play at the age of 46? Oof. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I just... He's such a competitor, and he just manufactures, fabricates things in his mind as slights, as motivation, that he could come up with some irrational reason to want to come back and play again. Because he's still a top 10 quarterback. The guy can still play. He can still play. Where is he going to play, though? It's not going to be Tampa. That's come to an end. And I already told you teams that need quarterbacks. Raiders, Bucks, Texans, Panthers, Saints, Ravens, Colts, Jets. None of those teams are ready for a Super Bowl run. There's not. So what's going to be left for him? And for a guy that has nothing to prove, why are you out there? It's going to be some soul searching for Tommy this offseason. Salty Steve, five reasons people shouldn't worry about TB12. One, he is rich. Two, he has a he has seven Super Bowl rings. Three, TV deals like hitting the Powerball. Four, will always be considered the GOAT. Five, got to do what he loves for 22 years. Yeah, I, there's nothing left to prove for him. What's there left? What's left for Tom to prove to anyone? But once again, this is what he's been doing for so long. That guy that was never really a beloved starting quarterback in college who fell to the sixth round of the NFL draft and was passed over by all these other teams, that guy is still inside of him. That's what motivates Tom, that guy. The lack of feeling like you're being respected drives him, and it's driven him to a phenomenal, legendary Mount Rushmore type of career. So what's left? We asked you, was last night's Tom Brady's final game? 44% of you say no. 33% say yes. And 23% say maybe. Thanks to all who voted on the poll question of the day. Thank you to all who left your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Some good interaction today. Appreciate it. Also appreciate all the phone calls we got today. Had a flurry of activity on social media and on the hotline. That's going to do it for us today. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll try to be better. Make, I mean, we'll try. That's that's all we can do. We're going to try. But until then, be safe out there. Be kind to one another. Kevin Foote in Footnotes is up next right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros.